Today on the Pepsi Boys. It was like a heated snowmobile with the right tires. Yeah, totally. I live in Escape from Los Angeles, and I need Snake Plissken to show up at some point. You know, and, and I think uh, a foolish podcast would have saved the Coca-Cola Monsanto connection for their 100th episode. But the obvious decision is to do it as your fourth and fifth. Did you know, you can now leave a message for the Pepsi Boys at 402-704-SODA. That's 402-207-7632. Get excited. Hello and welcome to the Pepsi Boys, the premier American soda podcast that isn't afraid to go there. That's right. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Dean. Hey, what's up? My name is Gabe. Hey, Les. Wow, guys. Well, we are coming off of a uh, our first two-parter. Well, we're in the second part of our two-parter. Uh, I have to say, Les, I am still bummed from last episode. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to make it any better this time. So, yeah. Uh, not to be okay. that guy. But, yeah, this it just became such a thing. Um, I went into it with this, you know, just simple assumption that I'd be able to bring up a couple cool points about Coca-Cola and how they've helped with Monsanto's beginnings. Uh, and it's, it's still going now, like to this uh, day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping for like a, like a one or two, like, wow, that's fucked up that that happened 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Right. Uh, and then like, oh, but you know, it's, it's, it's not it's fine. Most Monsanto has like decided to open up an orphanage and is curing cancer. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, no. Uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> i really hope monsanto doesn't open an orphanage because they will be using them for child labor oh, uh yeah. anyway uh <laughs> before we get into that uh you guys we we sipping on anything good today uh have have we had anything we haven't talked in a week so i tried uh, i i tried uh, i found um at 7-eleven my local 7-eleven so the one that uh, always seems to have uh, foreign import sodas had this week had Japan Cola, which is Japan's variant, and it was orange flavored. So it was orange flavored Japanese Pepsi, and it was really, really good. It was really good. Wow, I, I found out a lot about uh, Japan's like love for Pepsi in the last like couple days because uh, you know researching for a future episode. Um, I kind of ended up on this rabbit hole, and I'm, there's so many different kinds of Pepsi in Japan that just don't exist here. Uh, it seems they have like a lot of different variants of all. Like I yeah. had apple Coke, a Japanese apple Coke the other mm, day. Yeah. Um, there's like a there's a different Fanta. I'm going back with the Fanta tomorrow. Uh, uh, that's yeah. The Japanese Fanta. So I'll, yeah. I will report back. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I uh, uh, Les, you were gonna say something. Oh, I was just yeah, you know, stick with my usual barks. But well, I uh, I went to a different gas station, you know, just kind of on the quest to find some some new sodas. And that's the easiest place to go. That's like, you know, you go in and you know immediately if you're going to be disappointed or not. So it's nice. Dean, do you have a typical gas station you go to? Like, are you a Shell person or a Chevron person? Well, the closest, <laughs> the closest is Seven Eleven. So I guess you could say I am a Seven Eleven loyalist. Uh, okay. But do you have the app? Really. <laughs> do you yeah, have the app? I do, you have, do the app. have the app. <laughs> I've gotten plenty of big gulps for free. Oh, uh, wow. 
but I went to a different gas station and, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm always looking for voodoo cause I, I, there's something about it that just keeps bringing me back. Uh, and I want to, to have it fresh for whenever we do discuss it. But anyway, I, uh, they didn't have voodoo. So I actually picked up, um, Mountain Dew Voltage, which I'd never had before. Um, and I drank that last night. It was pretty good. Uh, it's like a blue raspberry. I mean, like, I really don't drink a lot of Mountain Dew. Um, standard, like, straight Dew. Really haven't had a lot. Um, was it? Okay, it was Voltage that I had. I was worried. Yeah, it's a raspberry citrus. Have you guys had Voltage? I've seen it. I haven't tried it yet, though. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, it's, you know, it's got that Mountain Dew kind of cloying, syrupy sweetness. But I, I like that sometimes, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my thing with Mountain Dew is a lot of times, by the time I'm halfway through a bottle, it already feels like it's heading for flat. I don't know. Yeah, they're not super carbonated. Yeah. I, going, uh, going back to your comment about, about it being syrupy, you know. Yeah, like more syrup than, like you can't carbonate that thick of corn syrup right. solution. Right. <laughs> Um, or maybe it's intentional, you know, I would love to try like a, a super carbonated uh, variant. I don't know if that's probably never been a thing before, but I think uh, you're talking about Surge. Yeah, I got to get some more Surge. <laughs> right, I haven't yeah, had it in yeah. a long time. Um, I haven't I, had Surge in like, I think 15 years. I think this is the last time I oh, had you can You can still get it. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. Um, you'll have to, we'll do the store like locator. I, I'm, I'm really into those. I help hopefully help less track down some mountain voodoo whenever he that, gets to go that's going to be a segment anytime we have a guest um we're going to do a store locator for the forgotten soda that's what we're doing yeah all right <laughs> uh and then so the other soda i picked up that i'm sipping on right now is uh watermelon crush Ooh, i really like it okay now crush is 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 pepsi or coke or is it its own thing um pepsi i believe i'm pretty sure you know what? It doesn't. Uh, Dr. Pepper. Ooh, Dr. Uh, Pepper Keurig. Well, this one lists Dr. Pepper Seven Up. You know, it's confusing. Um, huh. It just on the bottle. I'm just going off the bottle. <clears throat> but um, no, it's it's actually really good. I really surprised. I mean, like, I, I it tastes like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. Um, Ooh, okay, that's good. Those are the best Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, I really like artificial watermelon flavor, so you know this might not be for everybody, but I enjoy it. It's got a 149% of your daily sugars. Uh, <laughs> Overachieving so, there, Dean. Yeah, well, you know, I, above and beyond for me. Um, what is it? Any caffeine? No caffeine, so oh. no, you know, but it, it's well carbonated, so I would say it kind of makes up for it with a throat hit. Yeah. Okay. That All right. Do it, yeah. But um, hopefully you didn't hear that, but I'm just, I can't, I keep going back. Um, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I can't take my hands off it. No, I can't really. It's addictive. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, the Red Bull did a watermelon variant that I, oh. I liked. No, um, really? You can that, still get that, it right now. Watermelon, I feel like, is a hard thing. It, yeah. It's, it's not, you can't, you can easily go wrong with a watermelon flavor. Yeah, I've had like just straight like watermelon juice. You know, basically it's it is just a squeezed watermelon. Yeah, um, it's not great. No, I don't like watermelon very much. But the artificial version, I count like I'm in. Uh, yeah, I'm the I'm the same way with that. I I don't really like the actual melon, but mm. I'll do artificial all day. 
Yeah, like yeah. watermelon or Jolly Ranchers are the best. Um, I think there's like a watermelon like uh, after or now and later, right now and later. Ooh. It's really good. Um, artificial watermelon is really good. Yeah. Les, did you ever encounter a watermelon uh, in the wild uh, um, of uh, as vape juice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the easiest ones to pull off, really. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually like a bubblegum back note kind of thing. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I remember having watermelon hookah one time. Um, and oh, it's, fancy uh, man. Yeah, very quite fancy. Um, and it wasn't bad. Um, the, the, the problem I have, the problem I always have with hookah, and I, I'm not sure, I've never vaped, so I, I don't know if this is the same vape experience, but it just coats the back of your throat so much um, that, like, it just irritates my throat a lot. But it's like, it, I do enjoy it. Like, I enjoy it for a little bit. Hmm. I have no comment on hookah or smoking or anything like that. I've never done any of it. Uh, but it always seemed interesting. I always wanted to go to an oxygen bar. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Those, those I think, only existed in movies and then also Los Angeles. Well, that was like an er, that was like a early two thousands, like late nineties aesthetic of like this is the future, man. We're gonna go to a bar and have like flavored oxygen. Not to mention that air quality in Los Angeles was always so so bad. Yeah, they should um, come back now with all like, these fires. Like I'm sure where you guys grew up, you probably had snow days, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we never had snow days, but what we did have was smog alerts in which the air quality was so bad we couldn't go outside. Yeah, yeah that's that sucks. A life. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd Good rather have snow. Yeah, I'd rather have snow too. Although snow can't make you, or like smog is less likely to make your car go off the road and into a frozen lake. That's true. Um, yeah. It will take about 20 years off your life, so... <laughs> So is the, yeah. is the car is the car frozen lake thing a, a fear of yours, Dean? Um, oh yeah, that's very specific. I mean, I, no, I I I like you know, I, growing up in the Northeast, driving in snow is is something I always have to do, but I don't like it at all. Oh no, who does? Um, um, yeah, you know, actually, no, okay, the, the, I have to I have to correct myself there real quick. I actually there was one vehicle I had that made it enjoyable. Oh, what was that? Snow. It was a. I had a. 2008 STI way back. Um, oh, did the doctor, was they, were they able to cure it? But, um, bum. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, that was the, that was the one exception I would make as far as like winter driving was anytime I got to take that thing on the road. That sounds like, fun. It was like a heated snowmobile with the right tires. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> that cool. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I'm, I'm in Western New York now and we get even more snow than, than in Eastern New York just cause of all the lake effect. Lake uh, effect, yeah. so, you know, it's, it's, it's not fun. I've only, you know, I went off the road once and, and no injuries happened, but, uh, that was when I was still in college, but, um, yeah, it's, I think, you know, it's always a fear of mine. I mostly just fear other drivers, but that's true of any time I drive. Yeah. Have, have either of you ever driven in Los Angeles? No, thank you. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a special. It's a special kind of a, a special kind of place. Well, um, I mean, aren't all of them watching movies on their computers like while they're oh, driving? Because it's Hollywood, not, baby. Right, Hollywood. We just we all get Netflix accounts just for free. It just it's just because it, they, they, it's in Hollywood. So. Well, you're always no, working. We're always working. Um, but the funny thing is is uh, is when it's raining. <laughs> sorry. 
any kind of inclement weather, like any spec. It could be cloudy and just like drizzling. Um, or, you know, the forecast could say it's like, oh, it's going to be a high of 65 today. Like that causes mass panic in Los Angeles streets. And there are just accidents upon accidents. Heaven forbid it ever be like windy out because like everybody just forgets how to drive. Um, you know, it's just crazy. There's, um, there's a freeway in the city. It's the 110 freeway. It's the oldest city in the freeway. Um, and it's, they've, they've never, they've only done minor retrofits to it, but basically you come down a ramp and you go to a full stop. Um, and you basically have about three feet in order to get to speed (laughs) to make up for the other cars going 65 miles an hour, because it was built at the time when the, the, the cars were going like a top speed of 40 or 30 or 40 miles an hour. And now cars are just blowing by and you have to like, like pedal to the metal, like off a starting line to get into traffic. Um, yeah. And that's where, that's where I learned how to drive. So, that's, so, yeah. so what you're, what I'm hearing you say there is that you're the guy who actually really needed the STI. I really do need the STI. Yeah, I yeah, gave up. I, I, my, I love, I love my child so much. Um, but I gave, I gave up my, uh, my O3 Mazda, uh, my O3 Mazda, uh, three hatchback, um, five speed, uh, it was a 2.3 liter. It was so fast. It was so fast, Les. It was so fast. Yep. Uh, I yeah. am, I am not a car boy, uh, but I have nothing but respect for you psychopaths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was great like i i i uh, i would take that thing out i would get on the freeway and i'd realize like oh i'm going 90 miles an hour and i'm just like cruising along it was it was great it was the best and i couldn't convince my wife uh to let me get a a five speed i was looking we had to buy a new car and i'm uh-huh. like all right all right what if i get a new car but it's an 08 audi a6 <laughs> what do you think about that <laughs> and she was like no be be a grown-up and go get a nissan Sentra." oh wives am i right uh, i know uh, but yeah we're Sentra bros that's right Sentra bros Sentra bros for life <laughs> yeah well until the lease expires oh you're leasing are you fancy oh no it's so cheap oh my god is it really it, yeah it's I don't even want to say it because people get mad at me when I tell them how much I pay. I'll tell you off pod. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't want everyone to hate me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I, I, I do love this new angle. We're alienating Monsanto, but Sentra uh, and Subaru. We'll take you to Subaru. You are welcome to po- uh, uh, sponsor this podcast. Hell yeah. I mean, come on. I owned a vape shop and drove a Subaru at the same time. I know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Walking. Any big, any big vape companies that could Jewel sponsor us? Oh, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think you want to get into that right now. I probably definitely don't. No, yeah. no. Yeah, that's that's, a... that's, for, that's for Les's other podcast. Yeah, that's where he for exposes yeah. all the corruption of the the vape market. Oh, oh that's that was, yeah, yeah. That yeah. could that could be a whole thing for a long time. But yeah. Well, right, because you know the soda companies are just so angelic and perfect, as we've come to find out. Yeah, they're virtuous. Well, it's. You know, it's interesting that you mention it like that because, you know, it, it comes down. And I'm going to go over some of this in a moment here, but um, soda companies and a lot of the stuff that we're talking about on the podcast, there's there's like backline subsidies kind of supporting almost everything that's happened in the soft drink industry over the past like 60, 70 years, mm-hmm. you know. And then you get the other side of the house where, like you were just saying, you know, soda companies are so angelic. Uh, same thing on the other side, you know, for my old industry. But – 
we didn't we didn't get those subsidies you know we got cut down instead which is kind of a weird a weird thing to juggle you know thinking about what we're doing here with sodas as a nation and then you know someone who's a little guy that actually goes through the process of building their stuff up they get smacked down and that kind of you'll hear that a couple times in uh, tonight's information Yeah, I think that's as good a time as any to get started. Um, so I'll let Liz yeah, take sure. it away. Um, so, you know, we kind of left off around that 1940s, like post-World War II era last week. Um, so I kind of want to pick up there a little bit. I'm not going to dive heavy into the 40s and 50s section of what was going on with Coca-Cola and Monsanto and surprise the federal government. Um, but, you know, they did start getting into pesticides, herbicides, those type of things to assist farm growth after World War II. So that's a big piece of this next stack of puzzles, um, so to speak. So 44 and 45 with Monsanto, they were researching DDT, it's everybody's favorite, and 2,4-D, which 2,4-D is interesting. That led to something called the rainbow herbicides. So hmm. 2,4-D ended up being sounds very... so magical when you put it like that. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's, uh, you have to... If I'm going to talk about this, I have to at least put some kind of spin on it. Seriously. Yeah, yeah it's 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 rough. Um, you know, 2,4-D ended up being Agent Orange, essentially. <laughs> of, course <laughs> of course yeah, it did. Of course it did. Yeah, so this is, this is all the way back to 1945. So, oh again, you know, what, what we've got, if you didn't catch the first episode, I'll, br- I'll brief through it real quick. Monsanto and Coca-Cola are, are like hand in hand for decades. And essentially, Coca-Cola propped up Monsanto through some investments. And here we are in 1945 where... The atomic bomb has just been dropped. Well, not just been dropped, but you know, shortly after that, and we're starting to head for a nuclear arms race. Everyone's scared of the bombs. Uh, that's also Monsanto's fault, which by association is Coca-Cola's fault. As much as I love them, you know, it's still their thing. Um, so in '61, Kennedy actually approves the rainbow herbicides for use in Vietnam, and almost all of them are Monsanto products. Ooh. Right. Now, so, what, what what was the approved use? Just as as by as chemical weapons? As an herbicide. As an Not herbicide. so much as chemical weapons, but to defoliate. That's the whole intent of of what was happening with those. Really? They had to defoliate that jungle okay. so that our troops could be able to fight on even terms. That was I, the, the general logic. Okay. I can't believe Roundup hasn't used some like patriotic like notion to sell their product. Like we helped, you know, in Vietnam. Uh, well, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're getting to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're going to like how this goes. Gabe. Oh, I, def- I already know I'm not. So DDT, you know, that's, that's back in the 40s era. It takes until 72 for DDT to get banned outright through EPA actions, government actions, everything else. Um, here's where it gets kind of interesting with the Coca-Cola and Monsanto link-ups, and you'll see this repeated over the next couple sections. Um, 72 is also when saccharin was discovered to cause bladder cancer, so that was the Monsanto product, the first artificial sweetener that got a lot of usage, um, thanks to Coca-Cola. Yeah, I was. Um, so, oh, sorry. <laughs> I just I was looking at a, a product from like the 70s, like a soda. It was you know kind of incidental to this, but it was like a diet. Uh, soda and it was like proudly boasting that it was saccharin free and I was like oh what changed <laughs> right <laughs> the bladder so cancer this is it. Um, 
Yeah, the bladder cancer in lab rats. So that was 72. Um, just to follow that saccharin line for a minute because that's going to die off pretty quick here in, in the information I'm going over. They proposed a ban in 77. It never happened, but it did get added to a list of uh, products that aren't the best for human consumption <laughs> is the way I'll phrase it. Uh, so, so here's what's interesting, though. So happy this, that, that reference, that label. Eh, not the best for human not consumption. The best, you know, you know, it's probably something you should avoid if you can. You know, real sugar is the go-to, honestly. Uh, but those restrictions that they implemented to some degree in, back in the 70s, those have since been removed. And that was in, that was actually in 2010. Ooh. So it's not even the current administration or anything like that. We're talking back in the Obama era. Wow. Yep. The U.S. EPA removed saccharin from the list of hazardous substances. So that's back on the market. I don't. I haven't seen it in products because most people are like, eh, whatever. Uh, oh no, I'm brushing my teeth with it every night. Just with a little powder, just like you know, <laughs> all of the teeth and gums. I mean, as long as you don't swallow. Yeah, right. There it is. You know, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's yeah. It's true yeah. life. Really, the lesson the Pepsi boys uh, uh, are bringing today. <laughs> as long as you don't swallow uh, so so this is what i'm what i want to illustrate with this 72 ddt gets banned and saccharin takes it on the chin with this lab rat report with the bladder cancer okay well if you don't swallow where else are you gonna take it <laughs> <laughs> oh it's comedy night folks yep. <laughs> yeah exactly um so 73 monsanto introduces glyphosate so roundup Oh, so you, can, go, I, you could probably draw that link pretty quick. Yeah. Their, their biggest marketed um, you know, herbicide, that type of thing, DDT, got banned one year. The next year, they're already popping up something new. Uh, so the next section I'm going into here goes back to the Agent Orange stuff where they're, you know, Monsanto's responsible for that. This will show that tie-in with Coca-Cola and how it's like this process of, of Monsanto losing ground on something, coming up with a new product. And then Coca-Cola doing monetary investments for other products that prop that up uh, for quite a while. This goes on for a few decades. So in 1980, the first Agent Orange class action lawsuit hit. And it took a few years to get settled. It wasn't actually settled, I think, until 84, 85, if I remember correctly. So Monsanto takes the hit on the class action lawsuit. They ended up paying like 45% of the total amount out of their side of things, their own money. Uh, the same year is when one of the most possibly one of the most contentious moves in the entire soft drink industry happens. Coca-Cola switches from sugar to high fructose corn syrup. This is 1980, same year that Monsanto lost their class action suit for Agent Orange damage to the troops. Oh my gosh! Right. So you can see what I'm what I'm what I'm illustrating here with the. One thing happens, and then right after that, they've already got it set to roll out and just keep I, everything coming in for money. And uh, uh, less I can see the the red thread in your room yeah. with like Coke yeah. Monsanto going right there. <laughs> well, here's where it gets interesting with the federal government side of it. So everyone knows that high fructose corn syrup comes from corn, which there was a huge shift. You know, I'm not going to get into this because the whole few episodes on its own if we ever decide to go down this road but high fructose corn syrup getting pushed to the for to the forefront as like the go-to sweetener over sugar it's it's a it's a tie-in you know this is this is the part where i'm going to sound like charlie from uh, <laughs> it's, it's always sunny but there's a tie-in with the federal government subsidizing farms particularly ones that grow corn uh, which isn't useful as like a food corn, really, the type of corn that gets subsidi subsidies. Um, it's mostly something that's used for other products, stuff like feed, high fructose corn syrup, all these things. Uh, so what's going on here is the federal government's paying 
farmers subsidies to grow certain crops. And those crops are actually ones that Monsanto has been researching how to, you know, pesticide, herbicide, all of it um, to such a degree that the crops don't get hurt by anything. And they can just grow these super crops of corn. Obviously, there's still problems. It's not a perfected science even for Monsanto. But that's the whole idea is that that money that these farmers are getting as subsidies primarily is going right into Monsanto's pocket because they need to use it for their herbicides and pesticides and all those other things. And that's that's a really vicious loop um, yeah. that I discovered Tell while I was doing it. this research. Um, what happens with Monsanto's products, a lot of people get confused. And I, I, even I was before I started doing this accidental deep dive on Monsanto and Coca-Cola. Um, when you have a Monsanto GMO product, the primary function of that genetic modification is so that the plant can survive the herbicide that Monsanto has already made themselves. Mm. Right. So they've like set up this thing where they make this super powerful herbicide that would normally kill off normal corn crops. So Monsanto starts going through this process because now they're getting so much money back. Uh, it's, it's drop prices for the Coca-Cola company as far as their sweetener supply because of all this trickle-down, so to speak, subsidy stuff that's happening. Um, Monsanto's obviously getting buoyed big time because now high fructose corn syrup is, is everywhere. Um, which, you know, I should mention this too, something else I found out is that now it's been relabeled as fructose on things that use it as a sweetener. So it's hard to even track if it's actually corn syrup at all. Huh. Yeah, uh, which I didn't realize until this uh, more recent research. But um, the big side note here is that the most popular Coca-Cola flavor is still... Mexican Coca-Cola, so Coca-Cola from Mexico, where they yeah. still use real sugar. sugar. They never switch the formula, none of that. Um, so this is all right around, like I say, 80, 81. Okay, so Coke makes the switch to high fructose corn syrup. Government starts pumping subsidy money, extra subsidy money to these corn crops to support high fructose corn syrup production, um, with the help of Monsanto, obviously. Here's where it's, something gets really screwy. Um, I found this part by accident last week. Um, there's a company called GD Searle that was the company that essentially created NutraSweet aspartame. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they had created it years and years back before, 80, before the early 80s, and they couldn't get it through FDA approval. They just could not do it. They kept hitting roadblock after roadblock. No one wanted to approve it. No one trusted them. You know, it's... Uh, just a bad scenario for them trying to get it to the market in general. Now, there's a gentleman who was CEO of GD Searle at the time that NutraSweet got approved, which was 1981. It got approved for general use. Um, this gentleman's name was Donald Rumsfeld. Uh-huh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Old so, Donnie Rumsfeld. Well, here's the thing. He actually used his old connections from previous government work to wait until Reagan got put into office and then use his new FDA head to get the aspartame approval through. Uh, of course he did. Now, here's where it gets even funner. We're going back to Coca-Cola for a second here. Coca-Cola company in 1982 introduces Diet Coke, which of course uses what as a sweetener? Aspartame. Aspartame. There you go. So aspartame, so what we're getting to here is that G.D. Searle gets their approval, thanks to Donald Rumsfeld, for getting aspartame on the market. Then the next year, Coca-Cola introduces Diet Coke. So now they're starting to buoy G.D. Searle because they were having a hard time and losing money and everything else before this approval from the FDA. So Coke is just like cashing in corporate favors every which way yeah. with like yeah. huge yep. shadowy companies, you know, like – 
because like Monsanto, I had no idea Bayer owned like a, was the parent company of Monsanto. There's just so they are now. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a more recent oh, okay. development. That's that's very recent. Um, the 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 linchpin on this whole thing with 19, the the 80s era, the early to mid 80s era, is that in 1985. So all right, so we've got this stuff with G.D. Searle and Donald Rumsfeld using his connections to get the money of you know the aspartame NutraSweet stuff approved. At this point, they'd already actually made their own company division for NutraSweet. So G.D. Searle had pulled it off as a separate piece of their working. Um, then Coke introduces Diet Coke. And now, in 1985, Monsanto buys out G.D. Searle. Ah. This is while Donald Rumsfeld is still CEO at the time of acquisition. So they've just seen their profits go through the roof. All of a sudden, Monsanto, again, they're in the mix right after Coca-Cola, they're in there buying out GD Searle, and yeah, I, I tried to track down some of like you know who got paid what, but that was really hard stuff to track down because it wasn't quite the headline generator it was now, or that it is now, I should say. But um, I, I'm assuming that during this whole setup, when he left, because in '85 Rumsfeld was gone as soon as that sale happened, he was out. Mm. So I'm just you know I've got to assume that there was some other big money happening there. Of course, that's an assumption on my part. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm putting anything new out there, but. Yeah, you can kind of see where it was pointing. Is there um, is there any coincidence to the fact that '85 was also when New Coke came out? You know, like I don't know if hmm. that was anything that came up in your research. Um, well, no, um, not for '85. Okay, because um, because the the quote unquote New Coke, yeah, uh, that was back in '80 when they switched to high fructose corn syrup and that was technically that was the the rebranding and this is our new formula everybody got pissed uh, everybody was like nah we don't like it are you sure because um, I, I i thought it was 1985 like the well they may have relabeled it as like a new coke thing but yeah night let's see okay i don't mean to derail <laughs> <laughs> which I definitely did. I was just curious because it because I looked up New Coke and it was all right. So when did Coca-Cola start using high fructose corn syrup? In 1980, Coca-Cola began using HFCS in, in its beverages. By the mid 80s, other soft drink companies had followed suit. So they were there with the formula change in 1980. By the mid 80s, Pepsi and everybody else was jumping on board. Hmm. I I wonder what what um I wonder what benefit like Pepsi or anybody else would have had with the high fructose corn syrup because Coke had was so ingrained with Monsanto already. Like, I feel like it was didn't... still, it was still cost effective because oh, I see. all those subsidies are still happening. And that sale of the high fructose corn syrups really happening at the farmer's level. Oh, I got you to a degree. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's not just Monsanto that's producing the high fructose corn syrup, sure. but their, their nails, their nails are heavily dug in on the side of production, you know, having this chain of, herbicides and pesticides that then they've got to try and gear the, the plant itself up again so it's just this cycle of we made a thing that fixes this problem and now there's a new problem so we need to fix that by fixing the other piece got it okay it's kind of like an always unbalanced scale right so know? they're always making money yep yep um and you know going back to what you were saying dean it, it may have been something where the official new coke titling hit in 85 but the the 1980 date is when coke actually started putting that in their products yeah, it just looks like they tinkered with it even more in 85 and made it even sweeter. Yeah, and see, that may have been like them trying to address some of the backlash. Because when they made that change in 1980, a lot of people were really pissed off about it. 
Um, they were like, eh, yeah. and they all went over to start drinking Pepsi, so they lost some market share until high fructose corn syrup got so cheap that everyone started using it instead of using sugar. Yeah, so they effectively, what, like, yeah, what Gabe was you saying. know, disrupted the market, and it, like, hurt them in, in the short term, but helped them in the long run. Yeah, wow. exactly. You know, in that same year, so 85, when they bought out uh, G.D. Searle, and took over basically took over the artificial sweetener market again, like they had had a foot, uh, you know, a good hold with saccharin before that. Um, in '85, oh no, I'm sorry, it's a little bit of a jump here. '98, so 1998, it took a while for them to get this all approved and okayed, but eventually, what happens is they start producing that Roundup Ready corn, is what they call it. So it's specifically a seed, you know, a plant that they've come up with that's titled as Roundup Ready. Sounds like a good like rodeo so, event at Disney World or something. Roundup ready corn. Roundup you ready. Can a, you yeah. can do a corn kernel and you go like on a roller coaster. <laughs> they just give you a corn kernel. Is that what you said? No, no, no. Like you get into like a like an animatronic corn oh, kernel okay. and then like it's a roller coaster. I thought it was just a roller coaster and the only different thing they did was hand you a kernel of corn. <laughs> Here's your <laughs> kernel. Just a corn of cob. Have a just, great night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. This whole thing with Monsanto and having these lawsuits, um, you know, products that have come into the market and dropped out and gotten banned and taken forever on approval with other subsidiaries they've bought out, it kind of comes to a head right around the late 90s. Um, so this is a bunch of stuff all in one stack. Um, right after they introduced the Roundup Ready corn, and it seems like they're already, you know, and, and bear with me here because, you know, for a lot of people, jury is still out as related to whether or not glyphosate, you know, Roundup um, causes any particular health issues. Because to this day, Monsanto, well, Bayer, as the current owner of that Monsanto division, um, they're actually stating that they have proof that it doesn't cause any type of health issue. Nothing ever could happen because of our herbicide that we have to gene you know, edit, genetically engineer our own plants to be able to grow around. Couldn't be any problem with that. No, yeah. This, it can be, <laughs> here's that's the thing where about. this gets really dirty. So we've got some more stuff going on with the federal government again. They're jumping right. back in here you know, because Monsanto's already been in trouble a couple times, um, lost and built up you know, different business directions. Um, in 1999, there's a merger that happens where the original Monsanto that was all the way back to the you know, Coca-Cola helping them found the company um, – that gets wrapped up in this other company through a merger, and this other company is Pharmacia and Upjohn. So, the What's Monsanto Agricultural Division. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the, so Monsanto, their their agricultural division, which caused all the problems with the defoliants and the herbicides, all this stuff, they they get absorbed in. This is early '99. Mm -hmm. And by the end of 99, early 2000, that parent company, Pharmacia, they then split the original Monsanto subsidiary off into a separate company again, just called, quote, unquote, New Monsanto, <laughs> which is legally, is completely legally separate from the old Monsanto. Wow. New Monsanto. Like new code. Yeah. I love it. So, oh, it's, yeah, but, you know, this is all in the interest of uh, avoiding... Past issues. That's really yeah. is what it boils down to. 
If if I get a ticket or something, I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna pay it and I'm not gonna fight it. I'm just gonna change my name to New Gabe and like they can't do anything, right? Legally, <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not that per- exactly. I, I'm not that other person. The human formerly yep. known as Gabe. Yep. <laughs> there you go. You know. So one thing we should go back to because I kind of touched on this last week, um, talking about how Coca Cola still to this day imports a hundred metric tons of coca leaves annually. Right. To flavor to flavor their Coca-Cola products. In 1999, this operation starts. So, bear in mind, Coca-Cola needs coca leaves to flavor its product to the volume of hundred of a hundred metric tons per year. Okay, so they need those. Those come from obviously Central American com- uh, countries, those kind of areas. I forget specifically where they get theirs from. But it's you know roughly around the Columbia area. Medellin. So, 1999, Monsanto starts spraying or giving somebody the materials to spray the jungles of Colombia with Roundup Ultra. Wow. <laughs> this is going on to this day. Really? So, like I say, try and juxtapose all that where you've got Monsanto knowing that they are, that that's what their exfoliant is being de- used for down huh. there is taking it's basically to wipe out the coca plants in Colombia. Um, I don't know what, what volume I didn't they didn't really get into that and what I was finding for research. But Monsanto founded by Coke essentially is now spraying the base product the base material that Coca-Cola needs to make their product up here. Wow. And that's all a government operation. So that's our government doing that operation to some degree as far as spraying those fields out. Um, and it, like I say, it's been going on since the 90s. Late well, that's 90s. nice of them. It's true. Uh-huh. I mean, it really, it's a service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also I've... want to imagine there's like some Coca-Cola branded like actual cocaine somewhere like deep in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and that's it. Everything kind of dead ends there. Not really dead ends, but there's there's a bunch of stuff that happens around, you know, glyphosate and Roundup and all these other things that they're kind of really in the middle of now. Uh, like you mentioned a moment ago, Dean with with Bayer being involved in Monsanto at this point. That was actually a deal in the tens of billions in 2016, uh, mm-hmm. where Bayer bought out Monsanto. Um, the problem there is that all those cases are still ongoing for Roundup, glyphosate mm-hmm. and everything. So um, that real famous case, Dwayne Johnson. The Rock? Um, so the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I, I'm sure, I'm guessing you guys have heard of it at some point along the way. He was a, uh, a groundskeeper, I believe, at, a, at some school system out there. Um, and he got really sick and they assumed or not assumed, but they, they basically boiled it down to it, it being exposure to Roundup. That caused him to get the types of cancer that he that he got. Oh, um, that's right. Yep. So he he actually was awarded a two hundred and eighty nine million dollar judgment against Bear wow. Monsanto. This is a twenty eighteen. Now, Bear has still been fighting that decision. They've got this thing, you know, Bear Monsanto's got this thing whittled down to seventy eight million, and now they're still fighting for either a new case or for that decision to be thrown out altogether. Um, the problem here, well, I see it as a good problem, but anyway, um, the problem here is that they still have 52,000 plus Roundup related cases Jeez. on the docket right now. 
And they can just like they can just delay and refile mm-hmm. and do all this stuff forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great. You know, so so all basically what this all boils down to really is that that Monsanto, the company everyone knows and loves, um, wouldn't exist without Coca Cola. And it seems as though right now Coke wouldn't exist without Monsanto anymore. It became very circular. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, um, that all started really, you know, because Coca-Cola needed something for a sweetener. Yeah. That's where most of that started, you know, getting into the caffeine and everything else down the line that we talked about mm-hmm. last week. Um, you know, but, but really, if, if you boil it down to simple math, you know, without Coca-Cola, the company there would not have been a nuclear arms race. There wouldn't be Agent Orange. Yeah. Yeah, but particularly, you know, I mean, just even that initial setup of right from right from yeah. go, you know, Jeez. we wouldn't have nukes, you know, but that's all because really I'm blaming Coca-Cola, but if you think about it, it's really somebody's fault in Atlanta back in like 1886 or whatever. Well, those uh, guys were all really nice and, and definitely not like really bad racists and stuff. Definitely not. No, well, no you everything know, was great in Atlanta in the late 1880s. I think the lesson is that you know you really need to be careful what you prohibit because otherwise you get nukes, Agent Orange, and Roundup. That's true. Right. If we had if we kept Coke, you know, with Coke, we'd be all happy. Yeah, and even before that, I mean, it was all down to somebody in Atlanta deciding they wanted to be a dry city. Yeah. Prohibition. Uh, you know. So. Yep. Which I guess means technically the government started the Coca-Cola company. Wow. Really makes you think. Yeah. See, it's very, very circular. <laughs> yep. Well. Wow. Yeah, thanks, thank Les. you, Les. That was another blast. <laughs> it makes yeah. me real oh, sad. Yeah. 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 Well, you know. <laughs> I have. Go ahead. I have. No, I have a thirty-six pack of Diet Coke in my fridge. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink it, but I'm gonna be sad about it. Yeah, as you should be. I mean, there's literally nothing besides like manufactured emotions that are like positive around any soda or really any major brand you know it's but you know yeah. what are you gonna do you got to give in at some point and just ride the wave yeah. uh i'm interested to see if we if the if, if the united states which it may never do but like i i, I wonder if we ever get to the, a point in the future where like everything's legal like all all um what is it schedule one uh substances mm-hmm are legalized um so cocaine if they ever like are like cocaine's legal now let's put it back in coke (laughs) yeah i mean why not you know throw away that social contract let's just go crazy i I mean mean, it would really be it would really just be one less step in their process at this point yeah they might save some money money saver yeah see just just put it back in although no one profits (laughs) off of legal drugs in the same way that they do off illegal drugs right and, oh, I'm sure. And there's oh, all this like recent news. I mean, in in you know, kind of poorly kept you know secrets about the government being involved with a lot of the drug trade in uh, South America, Central America, and you know that's all not new. But I feel like there's a lot of new stuff coming out around that with like FOIA requests and things, just uncovering even more uh, horrible stuff as the United States uh, backslides into fascism. We of course get to learn about our wonderful history as well um you know and and i think uh, a foolish podcast would have saved the coca-cola monsanto connection for their 100th episode but the obvious decision right. is to do it 
as your fourth and fifth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it gives you that grit your teeth through the rest of it feeling, which is really important, I think, for getting a oh, podcast yeah. to I mean, to yeah, stick. and you also we can't approach this subject without recognizing that it's killing us in like 30 different ways. Um, <laughs> and and we're going back for more. Oh, 100%. Uh, self-flagellation, hey. You know, yeah. throw throw oh, it, yeah. buddy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. May I have another? That, is, that ends the well it doesn't end but it, that ends our little foray into Monsanto I am sure we will be back I am sure we will never we will not back. mention Monsanto in one way or another uh, and that is our promise to you uh, we are on watch list now um, definitely but here we are the Pepsi boys are coming for you Monsanto you better watch out mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and by that we mean we are going to need some roundup and probably going to go to Home Depot this weekend to get some. Well, I mean, you you're go. in California. You shouldn't have a problem with anything growing. Oh, I have so many problems with things growing, Dean. I am, I am, I, have a, I don't not have a green thumb. So. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention, like the last week has been the first week that the sky has not been blotted out by smoke from the fires. Um, I, it's not. It's, I talk about this. And it's supposed to be like California is supposed to be this like angelic place. It's really it's not. It's a dystopian hellscape. <laughs> I live in Escape from Los Angeles, and I need Snake Plissken, Plissken to show up at some point. Oh man, what a president! He was a president, right? Mm. Snake no, Plissken. Okay, no, I'm stupid. You, wait, you, you never saw Escape no, from LA or New York? Oh, oh, I really do. Watch this movie, Dean. Dean, stop what you're doing. Go watch him right now. Get the kids. <laughs> Get your wife. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll make my wife watch it. I'm, I'm sure she'd love that movie. She'd love. Is it? Uh, I'm trying to remember what crazy celebrity. This in in L. A. There's like a whole bunch of crazy celebrities. Um, I just know. I, I just remember Tina Turner is in Mad Max. Yeah, like yeah. She's yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Eighties wild. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. uh, Gabe, I think you've got a segment for us. Correct. I do. Uh, boys, gird your loins. It's time for the hardest. So did for the other. Yeah, yeah. The war, 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 the war. Holy shit. This is where you play the, like the electric guitars, right? Yeah, the wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it, that's all going to be there. And we're going to do that in post. Cool. We got post. <laughs> you are post. Right. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do, guys. Um, I have a list of 12 questions. Um, I'm going to tally this up and see who wins at the end. What we'll do is um, we'll go uh, back and forth, um, each one of you. And then uh, if one of you doesn't get it, the other person will have an option to steal. Um, and then we'll go to that person kind of back and forth, uh, kind of a, a, a pub quiz style. All right. Okay. Sound good? 
These are all soda-related companies. I We've talked about some of this stuff, so uh, in the last five episodes, uh, you may have some of this information. Um, I got a couple pieces of information um, that are extra on top of like what the answer actually is, including one hilarious, really, truly hilarious audio clip that we'll listen to. All right. Um, all right, you ready to go? Um, so let's do this. I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 10. Um, whoever can get it closest without going over goes first. Uh, you're thinking of six. Right. Dean gets it because it was the number seven. Uh, All right, you ready, Dean? Yeah. All right, your first question. Dean, A&W Root Beer's first stand opened in 1919. The drive-in flourished in the expanding car culture of America. Of the first half dozen A&W stands, most were in which city? Oh, wow. No hints, no multiple choice. No. Oh, oh excuse me. Duh. I, I have multiple choice. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. I'm a bad game show host. <laughs> Dean, call Jordan t- on you. I know. Oh, Jordan, I'm sorry. Uh, Dean, uh, A, Detroit, Michigan. B, Chicago, Illinois, C, Sacramento, California, or D, Dallas, Texas? What was the second one? Chicago, Illinois. And the first one? First one was Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I'm going to say A, Detroit, Michigan. A, Detroit, Michigan. Incorrect, Dean. Less, can you steal? B. Chicago, Illinois, it's incorrect, both of you. Nobody gets to point that wow. round. It is C, Sacramento, California. Wow. On June. I, I what's that? Midwest thing. Yeah. Wow, yeah. A&W? Yeah. Yeah. June 20th, 1919, Roy uh, W. Allen opened his first root beer stand in Lodi, California. I've been there. Super boring. Four years later, <laughs> A&W began when Allen and Frank Wright opened their drive-in restaurant in Sacramento, California, Cal- uh, combining both of their initials for the name and selling root beer from Allen's stand. That's interesting because, yeah, I, I think Les and I were thinking the exact same thing, like Midwest. It, and, and the fact that it's so popular in Canada, you know, really sold that for me. Right. Yeah. But that's interesting. All right. Now, well, well, I learned that. Boring Lodi, California. Yeah. Okay, Les, you're up. Um, launched in the Deep South. This official soft drink of the NBBQA, that's the National Barbecue Association. Uh, or excuse me, this is the official soft drink of the NBBQA. So National Barbecue Association, which is it? Is it A, Royal Crown Cola, B, Mountain Dew, C, Nehi Orange, or D, Cheerwine? Uh, I want to go with A, Royal Crown. A royal crown. That is incorrect. <laughs> Dean, can you steal? I'm going to guess Cheerwine because I know it's Deep South. Dean, you get a point. It is Cheerwine. Ooh, baby. Now, have either of you ever uh, ever heard of this? I'm assuming you have, Dean, right? I've heard of it. I don't believe I've ever had it. You, Les? No. So, Cheerwine is a cherry-flavored soft drink by Carolina Beverage Corporation of Salisbury, North Carolina. It has been produced since 1917, claiming to be the oldest continuing soft drink company still operated by the same family. Uh, I looked it up. It is, it is literally one flavor, and they have different variants. It's caffeine, 
It is cola a little bit, and it is cherry flavored soda. Wow, I gotta find yeah. I gotta find some of this. I've I've heard of it so much, um, but not really ever tried to find it. I guess you can get it at a Cracker Barrel. Oh, of course you can. Any any <laughs> Cracker Barrel store should have it. I think the closest Cracker Barrel to me is in Arizona. Oh. Yeah, but worth it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dean, you're up. Um, number three, there's a reason soda fountains began in pharmacies. Early concoctions were often marketed as medicinal. In the late 19th century, Coca-Cola was called the ideal brain tonic. Popular sodas have contained all of the following substances except which except one. Which one of these? A. Caffeine. B. Cocaine. C. Lithium citrate. Or D. Sodium nitrate. This is uh, the the uh, all of these are pick the one that's not it. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, D sodium nitrate. Correct, D sodium nitrate. Sodium nitrate is often used for preserving meats in fertilizers. Uh, it's used in uh, glass, pharmaceuticals, and everybody's favorite explosives. Yeah, very familiar with that growing up in yep. a in a smokehouse. So, oh, well, we got to get into that. Yeah, one day. Yeah, one day. All right, Dean, you're up two. Les, it's on to you. Les, number four. Okay, this is the audio clip, which I'll have us pull up in a second. Um, (laughs) Dean, uh, uh, excuse me, Les, for decades, this soda's slogan was, quote, drink a bit to eat at 10, 2, and 4 as a pick-me-up. What? (laughs) This is a slogan. (laughs) Wow. Um, was it A, Dr. Brown's original cream soda? Was it B, Dr. Pepper? Was it C, Boylan's cream soda? Or D, Sprite? Let's just use the, just, you know what it is because we opened the link. Oh, yeah, that would be Dr. Pepper. Oh, oh, you guys opened the link. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't tell us not to. I'm sorry. I so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's okay. Right, I'm going to give you that point. I had, yes. it like, I had it like sitting in the background. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so it is Dr. Pepper. Um, so I'll have you guys play that broadcast in just a second. We can listen to it together. But so Dr. Pepper ran this slogan, a drink a uh, drink a bite to eat at 10, 2, and 4. And the slogan encouraged people to drink a Dr. Pepper for a quick source of energy. It began it began as uh, referred to research because those are the times of day that people hit a low period and needed a pick-me-up of caffeine. So at 10, 2, and 4. So can I um, just get a drink a bite to eat? Oh, D- Dean... That's not even the be- that's not even the best part. I want us to we're gonna watch this this video together and we can pull it up now. Right. Um, it is a it is a it is an excerpt. Um, I couldn't find this slogan. I found a little bit of it, but this is a this is a radio expert of the '40s um, and a guy named Irv Sharp, which was who was eventually known as Mr. Dr. Pepper, and he's singing oh. a song, and you need to listen to this whole thing because it is hilarious. All right, all right. So we're gonna start playing it together on your mark. Get set, go. This is a horror movie. 
Wasn't expecting you. Time for a oh, Vim Vigor Vitality. Songs presented by Roy Hall and the Blue Ridge Entertainers and brought to you by your good friend, your neighborhood Dr. Pepper dealer. Dr. Pepper, the drink that's good for life. Dr. Pepper, the, the cold, cold weather drink. drink. We say the cold weather drink because Dr. Pepper is oh, a blend yeah. of pure, pure fruit, fruit flavors. flavors. With a lemon base. That lemon base tends to alkalize your system and helps keep you away from bad colds <laughs> all through the winter months. So now that old man winter is really here, don't forget Dr. Pepper, the cold weather drink. No, we don't say Dr. Pepper will cure a bad cold or anything else for that matter, but we do know that Dr. Pepper with its lemon base will lemon help you base. stay away from a bad cold. I don't think it has a lemon all base. through the winter, so take home a handy six-bottle carton today. And have plenty on hand, by the way, for the Christmas <laughs> holidays, Christmas Day when all your friends and... Give everybody a Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. good for life. Not only tastes good, but is good for them. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper time starting out now with Fisher's Hornpipe. You listen? Oh. He said Dr. Pepper 150 times. That's like original SEO. Like, you can't get that out of your fucking head. So, no. <laughs> they were advocating for drinking it warm. Yeah. So, you could drink it warm. And, and it was supposed to, it was the lemon based natural fruit flavors that was supposed to make you feel better. Yeah. So, like a, an emergency type thing. Yeah. Um, wow. Who, you don't even need it. You just <laughs> put some Dr. Pepper on the little Bunsen burner and go to town. Right. Anytime one of my kids, anytime my kid's sick, I, uh, I give, uh, I give her Dr. Pepper and she perks right up. I, you know, I'm not going to, I probably will try hot Dr. Pepper this winter. Uh, because oh yeah. I think our holiday episode will be a hot Dr. Pepper. Oh yeah, baby. Hot right. Dr. Pepper and Coca-Cola Santa Claus. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, Les, that was your turn. So back to Dean. Dean, number five. Um, Pepsi-Cola was introduced in 1893, seven years after Coca-Cola, with what name? Was it A, Brad's Drink, B, Pepsin Elixir, C, Carolina Cola, D, Fuzz, excuse me, Fizz for you? <laughs> Uh, well, I really hope it's not that last one. Um, <laughs> what were the what were they again? A was Brad's drink. B was Bepson elixir. C was Carolina Cola. Or D fizz for you. I'm gonna say Brad's drink. That is correct, Dean. It was Brad's drink. That's so funny. Um, wow. It was developed by a gentleman named Caleb Bradham. Invented ah. a drink in 1893. He set out to make it free of stimulants. It didn't even contain caffeine. Wow. He originally called it Brad's Drink, but in 1898, it would be trademarked using the name we call it today, Pepsi. Um, it was supposed to, uh, it, it was said to alleviate uh, some sort of stomach disorder. So that's why they called it Pepsi. Ah, it's like weird. They made so many claims health-wise back then with these soft drinks. It's oh like, my god, it's hilarious. Well, yeah, that's got to be where the ginger ale is good for you things. You know, that's like the one soda that hung around is like medicinal. Totally, absolutely. All right, uh, back to you, last number six. Regional sodas continue to thrive. Among them, Green River. Which of the following is its a long-time motto? A, get swept away. <laughs> B, just the right bite. C, capping free since 1919. Or D, quenching Boston's thirst since 1914. Hmm. 
feel like I should know that one. <laughs> it's kind of regional, but um, what were A and B? A is get swept away. B, just the right bite. Let's go with B. B, just the right bite. Incorrect. That was bait for you. A bite? All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to say I don't think Green River is Boston. I think that is not even close to right. It's a West Coast thing, right? No, I'm pretty sure it's A, get swept away. As much as I want it to be get swept Uh, away. That's incorrect. It it is C. It's caffeine-free since 1919. Oh, wow. Green River is a bright green lime-flavored soft drink. It was created by Richard C. Jones in Davenport, Iowa. Sold widely by Chicago, Chicago-based uh, Shonen Fen. I can't say that. I, <laughs> Shonen Fen Idleweiss Brewing Company in 1919. Subsequently sold to other vendors and is currently manufactured by WIT Beverage Company. Um, it is a fun fact also about this. It is supposedly... The uh, it, the Green River supposedly inspired the name of the Credence Clear Rival, uh, excuse me, Credence Clearwater Revival album, Green River, ah. according to John Fogarty. Yeah, interesting. I, I I think I saw some Green River uh, at like the store that I get some of my older sodas at, so I'll have to check it out next time. But um, yeah, yeah, I was like, I don't think it's Boston, so that narrowed it down, but I still was wrong, so. <laughs> All right, Dean, back to you. Number seven, soft drinks often were promoted as alternative to alcohol. Hires root beer started out as the temperance drink. Others made health claims. Moxie, originally sold as, as a medicine called Moxie Nerve Food, is now the official soft drink of what state? A, Maine, B, Rhode Island, C, Delaware, or D, Kentucky? You're going to do this to Les? <laughs> I didn't. It was all random. <laughs> all right. Um, Les is currently like is smashing his computer screen. <laughs> I'm going to say Maine. Like, oh, this, wait, this is regional. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you said what? Maine. Oh, that's correct. Dean, you get a point. <laughs> it is from Maine. Surprise, surprise. Hey, Moxie originated around 1876 as a patent medicine called Moxie Nerve Food by Augustine Thompson in Lowell, Massachusetts. Thompson claimed that, if the container, that it contained an extract from a rare, unnamed South American plant, which is now just known to be uh, Genetian root. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. All right, Les. Okay. <laughs> Number eight. Up until World War II, this was the most popular soft drink in the United States. Was it A, cola, B, root beer, C, ginger ale, or D, cream soda? This is pre. Okay, so I'm going to say D on that one, cream soda. D, cream soda. D, incorrect, Les. D, you want to steal? Yeah, can you repeat the question, though? Uh, Up until World War II, this was the most popular soft drink flavor in the United States. A, cola, B, root beer, C, ginger ale, or D, cream soda? Uh, I'm going to say root beer. Root beer, also incorrect. Guys, it was ginger ale. What? Huh. Yeah. That's... I mean, you know, I, I know I know what took the forefront after World War yeah. II. Yeah. Yes, like, we, hmm. as we all know. Wow. <laughs> um, 
a couple of uh, a couple of interesting things. Um, in uh, I think this was in uh, in the in actually this was rather recently. There was like two thousand something. Um, Keurig Dr Pepper has agreed to pay eleven point two million dollars to settle claims that it misled customers. It agreed to drop the words made from real ginger on its labels. The company defended itself against claims made in the court that the iconic ginger ale contains too little actual ginger to even taste. Um, in a response, to, basically, the, the lawyers responded to this in court papers saying, no reasonable consumer would misconstrue the words made from real ginger to convey a promise that soda contains significant amount of ginger ingredients sufficient to convey unspecified health benefits. Hilarious. Huh. Yeah. So apparently it's not even real ginger anymore. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, Dean, back to you. Um, introduced just before the epic stock market crash of 1929, this drink somehow survived despite its original name, Bib Lubble Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda. Bib Lebel Lithiated Lemon Lime Soda. He's my favorite character from the Star Wars. <laughs> right? Bib Lebel Lithiated? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's hear those um, options. What is it known as today? A, Sprite, B, Mountain Dew, C, Slice, or D, 7-Up? Oh, I'm between Sprite and 7-Up. So if I get it wrong, then it's going to go to less. Um, I'm going to say 7-Up. Dean, you're correct. It was 7-Up. <laughs> Dean's on a roll today. Um, it was launched two weeks before the stock market crashed in 1929. Wow. Uh, it was invented in 1929 by Charles Leiper Greek, who unhappily worked as an advertising executive at Whistle Orange Soda before quitting to make his own orange drink dubbed Howdy. Howdy was unsuccessful because of Orange Crush, which contained real orange juice. Doctors started to stress the importance of vitamin C around this time, and Howdy only contained essential oils found in fruit juices peel. Oh, he's like, fuck citrus. I'm going to more citrus. Yeah. But, it, it's but imagine like... Pivot. Imagine like you, you start your company and two weeks later the stock market crashes. <laughs> In just the worst way. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. No, that's not good. All right, Les, back to you. Okay. Coca-Cola slogans. Ugh, I can't speak today. Coca-Cola slogans through the years have included thirst knows no season, ice cold sunshine, it's the real thing, and open happiness. What is the current slogan? A, red, white, and you. B, America's choice. C, taste the feeling. Or D, chill out. I want to. I think it's A still. Red, white, and you. Red, white, and you. Yeah. Incorrect. Mm. Dean, you want to steal? Uh, taste the feeling. Taste the feeling is correct. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the taste the feeling campaign is part of an effort to combat the trend of declining soda sales following consumers' health concerns about sugary drinks. Uh, and pesticides now, thanks to Les's reporting skills. <laughs> um, the simple pleasure of drinking any Coca-Cola makes the moment more special. This is powerful investment behind all Coca-Cola products, showing how everyone can enjoy the specialness of an ice-cold Coca-Cola with or without calories, with or without caffeine, quotes the marketing company. 
Wow, thus spake yeah. the marketing company. <laughs> yep, good times. I love it. Uh, all right, back to you, Dean, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, back to you. Uh, 11 soft drinks were originally packaged in small bottles. A bottle of Coke, for example, was 6.5 ounces until the mid-1950s. A far cry from 7-Eleven's Big Gulp, which is 30 ounces. Super Big Gulp, which is 44 ounces and on up. So sodas were around for decades before diet soft drinks caught on. Which of these was not an early diet soda? A. Tab. B. Fresca. C. Patio Diet Cola. Or D. Limelight. Um, an early diet soda. I'm going to say Tab. Tab is incorrect. Less. Can you steal? I'm going to say D. D, Limelight, is correct. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's uh, it's made up. It doesn't even exist. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, so I was thinking early, like, oh, the like patio was like 60s. I didn't know when Fresca was, so I was thinking Tab was like 80s, wasn't it? So I was thinking, like, that's a later diet soda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. All right, Les, back to you. Um, this is the last question, uh, and I'll make it for 9 million points. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a chance here. You have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> In 1985, this brand became the first soda drink in space. A, Coke. B, Pepsi. C, Tab. Or D, Dr. Pepper. Mm. I have to say B, Pepsi. B, Pepsi. Incorrect, Les. Okay. <laughs> Dean, can you steal? I'm just going to go with uh, the classic Coke. Coke is correct. Uh, I, see, in 19- I thought that would be too yeah. obvious. Yeah. Uh, in 1985, this brand became the first soft drink in space. In 84, researchers for Coca-Cola had an idea about dispensing carbonated beverages in space to give astronauts more choices to drink and also to create a stellar huh, advertising <laughs> opportunity. I hate you. <laughs> I know. The company developed a can that would work in weightlessness to keep the cola fizzy without spewing out of the can. Uh, because that's what you want. You want a soda that's potentially hazardous to a space station. Um, uh, NASA, NASA agreed to let the astronauts try the Coke device on the shuttle flight. When Pepsi learned of this project, it also wanted to participate and develop its own container. Both Coke and Pepsi products were flown on the S2, STS-51F mission. In 1985, so crew members could evaluate the dispensers and do a taste test. Results were mixed, and NASA did not add either company's product to shuttle food pantry. In the mid-1980s, Cola War continued on Earth, but not in space. I believe that the uh, Challenger disaster was uh, a response from Coke. Was that correct? <laughs> That's what happened. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, what? It's been a long time. Oh, man. Monsanto designed that can. (laughs) (laughs) All right, boys. Uh, Well, uh, Dean, you swept it. Seven, two, two. (laughs) Woo. Well, seven, nine, nine million and seven, right? Well, excuse me. Yeah, nine nine million and seven. That was a close game, Les. Very. (laughs) Very close. Quite close. Yeah, I was on a train for sure. (laughs)
so much horse rolling around in your brain. You didn't have time to, like, the... I'm just sitting over here wringing my hands about everything I touch now. Yeah, yep. seriously. There's you nothing know, that isn't you know. super dirty and awful. No. And yeah. like I say, I, I did not intend for it to go down two episodes worth of yeah. government-funded gutter. But here we are. Hey, we're better for it. We're all gonna be we're all gonna be in our showers later after drinking soda. Being, I can't get clean. I can't get clean. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Monsanto's got something to do with the water too. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Yeah, yeah. like we can have a Monsanto soap. <laughs> exactly. It burns your skin off. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's funny that you mentioned that because you know that was one of their brands for a while. Burn your skin off soap. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's what I call the laundry detergent all. Oh, ah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The one that everybody was allergic to way, way yep. back. Yep, yep, yep. Monsanto. Yep. yep. Mm. It all comes uh, back around. I'm telling just, you guys. It just keeps Like, I, I had to stop. I had to force myself to stop researching links. Wow. Oh my that's gosh. where I got to. Well, yeah. I'm sure we'll pick it up again soon. You can you can have a part three at, at some point. But we'll be back at you with uh, something in probably a little bit more cheerful next time i mean we're getting real close to halloween so we're gonna oh, halloween episodes are coming yeah um we got a couple ideas for some of those um and if you guys out there any any listeners have any you know movie tie-ins uh like horror movie tie-ins with sodas any drink really in the zeitgeist um you know one that comes to mind being like the ecto cooler uh high oh yeah um absolutely you know let us know uh i've been i've been looking i've been on the hunt um and i even conscripted a member of or the host of the best little horror house in philly that his horror podcast uh we're podcast friends with him so i was like hey you know any horror movies that have soda in them and he of course had several uh but you know i just was was curious to know so we're gonna try to look into that. We're gonna we're gonna awesome. come at you with some commercials. Definitely, that's gonna happen. Yep, it's gonna be good. And uh, much like a can of soda, this has really fizzled out. Uh, yep, <laughs> you <can just> cut, <laughs> it's flat. Just cut all that. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you guys so much. We're just delighted to be doing this. This is really fun. I mean, even though this was, you know perhaps the worst and darkest thing surrounding soda that we could possibly discuss look it, it can only get good from it can right get better See, from that's it. yeah yeah you know, that's out of the way now it's out of the way now it's kind of like you know yeah yeah, yeah. You know. it's problematic history um yeah. and present but anyway uh as always we were the Pepsi boys you can find us at the Pepsi boys on twitter um my name is dean and i am at mr eman 69 uh, I'm Gabe. You can find me at Magusto Carney on Twitter. Hey, and Les Widowmaker one one three eight on Twitter and Twitch. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and uh, Les, thank you for your intrepid research. Uh, Absolutely. Oh yeah. Monsanto, we know you can see us. You can stop burning <laughs> corn effigies outside of my home. But thanks for the uh, two five star ratings. We seek you. We love you. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you don't hear from me next week, you'll know why. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>